that little noise at the beginning of that song. I gotta ask Rob about that. The beginning of our theme song. It's like, oh, start something like, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Sorry about that. Yes, I do, but I don't know what it is. It's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Can you guys play the beginning of this song? <laughs> Here, listen. That thing. Yeah. Ow. 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 It's good. It's perfect for our show. Yeah. Like, ow. Orgasm? Oh, I don't know. I, I thought it was more like, ow, like I hurt, I burnt myself or something. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, everybody. Oh, my God. I, I, I was imagining that most people who were Beatles fans, which is almost everyone, were excited about this special that uh, this this film that was uh, appearing what is it on amazon was it on disney plus even, disney plus that's what it was you can't keep track disney plus and it was so long and robin you're supposed to be like the johnny carson show you go how long was it oh my god robin i spent the whole weekend watching the beatles documentary it, it was so long how long was it it was so long Haley's Comet returned to Earth twice. <laughs> <laughs> hey Then you go. Do people know that Haley's Comet only comes around 70, every 70 years or something? Oh, people know. Come on, Robert. If you've got to explain the jokes. I don't yeah. know what people know anymore. Oh, my God. The, 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 the Beatles documentary was so long. <laughs> How long was it? <laughs> there you go. How long was it? How long was it? Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Beatles documentary was so long, I had time to write two more books, Paint the Landscape and Bang Beth. <laughs> the, the, the actual Beatles documentary is 468 minutes in total, close to eight hours long. I'm, I'm, I spent a lot of the week and not all of the weekend watching it, and I'm only on episode three, you know, the, the yeah, third part of it. Yeah, I haven't watched episode three yet. I only got through the first two. Well, I got to tell you, do other things. <laughs> well, that movie was so long. Taylor Swift had time to date a guy, get dumped, and write a song about it. <laughs> okay, I got to tell you, Robin, that Beatles documentary was so long. How long was it? George Takei tried to suck it. It was so long. <laughs> Must have been fat too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really long. By the time it was over, the sea levels had risen. See? <laughs> uh, let me see if I got any more. Oh, boy, that Beatles movie was long. How long was it? So long it's dating Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Fred, you, Fred, don't fuck me up, man. The laugh comes after the joke, not before. <laughs> Well, there's usually a little anticipatory laugh when Ed oh. does it or Robin does it. Oh, you mean just the how? Just Robin saying how long was it would send them into? Yeah, there, there's kind of a thing they where they always had an understanding. Coming, yeah. <laughs> well, what did Fred say? What? There's an no. anticipatory laugh after no, Ed says okay. how long was it? Correct. Right. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Thank you.
Let's see if I got any more. Give me a sec. Okay, boy, that Beatles movie was long. How long was it? It lasted longer than Bill Cosby's stint in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, I I spent that that Beatles documentary was so long. Ralph came out of the closet, married a man and adopted three kids. And and I still wasn't done with it. (laughs) It couldn't have been that long. (laughs) It was that long. Boy, I tell you, you you wouldn't believe how long that Beatles documentary was. How long was it? The movie was so long when it was over, there were 16 new variants of the COVID virus. (laughs) Hmm. Let's see. (laughs) This is a good one. Okay. Boy, that Beatles documentary was long. How long was it? So long that Benji walked two marathons before the intermission. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay. Boy, that was a long movie. How long was it? Benji lost 80 pounds. Then he gained 170 pounds. Then he lost 95 pounds. And then he gained 160 pounds. (laughs) How much does he now weigh, Robin? I lost track. That's how I long it was. I can't do that, man. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, hmm. So I'm passing on some of these in, yes, in an effort I to see. edit. Unlike the unlike the Beatles movie, I'm editing as you I go are along. Editing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they left anything. They say that there's actually like 60 hours of, of film, but, you know, and that the director's cut will be even longer. Oh, geez. But uh, anyway. If the director didn't cut that one, who cut it? <laughs> well, I will give you my review of the Beatles movie in a minute, but I'm doing my long jokes now, if you don't mind. <laughs> Boy, that Beatles movie was long. How long was it? Well... I got a booster when it started and needed another one when it was over. <laughs> and you know you need a booster every six months, Robin, so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was so long my Disney Plus subscription expired halfway through it. I had to, uh, <laughs> had to renew. Yeah, I tell you, the movie was so long, OJ finally found the killer during it. Oh, hmm. wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that movie was long. Did you know it was so long, Oprah gained and lost over a 1,000 pounds during the movie? What? Yeah. Yeah, that movie was so long, by the time it was over, everyone in the Marvel Universe was gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, that movie's so long that if it was a penis, it would be Pete Davidson's. That's how long it was. Wow. Yeah. You know why they called the Beatles uh, documentary Get Back? Why? Because uh, I'm trying to get back three hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zack Snyder watched this movie. You know what he said? They should have trimmed it down a couple hours. <laughs> mm. 
It's so long, that uh, Beatles movie, that even Jeff the Drunk didn't have enough free time to watch the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. That's long. Let's see. Hmm. I'm skipping over some. Oh, wow. The, the, you know how long the Beatles movie was? By the time it was over, Sirius XM Pandora Stitcher acquired 46 new companies, including the one it streamed on. Okay. <laughs> so long Nick Cannon had another 80 kids. <laughs> no, enough of that. Anyway, uh, my review... Of the Beatles, again, I haven't finished it. I haven't, you know, but I, I've seen the concert part, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not up to that oh, yet. Oh, you but, did see the concert part? Well, I mean, years ago, you know. I mean, oh. a lot of us saw, you know, some of it. I didn't even That's see all of that. Meant. I just tuned into the concert part in the third one. My my opinion of the of the um, Beatles documentary, because I'm just imagining a lot of people watched it or tried to watch it, because... When you first start watching it, you go, wait a second, this is like the longest thing ever. And I'd, I'd like to call this movie the greatest worst movie of all. And what I mean by that is, to me, it is a fantastic movie. First of all, that this nudnik, Peter Jackson, had the balls to put out something that long is brilliant. And the reason I think it's brilliant is because... You know, this isn't just some band. This isn't uh, any group of musicians. This is the greatest, greatest group of musicians that ever assembled. And for there to be a document, a, a, a record of how they create, to me, is the most inspirational thing of all. Now, you can't sit and watch this thing in one sitting. You'd go insane. They'd have to lock you up. You know, you know who I, I thought was a real trooper? Yoko Ono. That she could sit there the whole time? and She um, sat there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's so much to it about that whole relationship. You know, John had John Lennon had no family. So when he, when he got into this relationship with Yoko, she became like the mother he never had. <clears throat> like he wanted someone there to be next to him, to literally, there. when he walks through a door, she has to rush to be right behind him. She she knocks the other Beatles out of the way in one scene. George Harrison's walking in, and then Yoko just kind of scoots by him she to make sure she's... <laughs> it's almost as if John had said to her, you must be by my side. And when you talk about the breakup of the Beatles, Yoko is now saying, this vindicates her. I did not break up the Beatles. And, and of course she didn't break up the Beatles. The Beatles broke up the Beatles. But you could see where it was maddening. I mean, imagine trying to be the other three guys and Yoko's just sitting there reading the newspaper while you're trying to create. To yeah. me, I, I, as someone who creates something every day of his life, I would be annoyed by that. It would be very difficult to see somebody kind of reading or dozing or writing letters while I'm trying to create music or, or something, even a radio show or a painting, it might be annoying to me. If you see this. somebody over in the corner disinterested while yeah. you're doing something. Right. I mean, it could sap your creative energy. 
you could be writing a song like Get Back and say, oh, gee, it must be boring, this song, because look, this yeah. woman's, uh, you know, but it's not her fault. I never blamed Yoko for the breakup of the Beatles. I mean, maybe comically I have, but I mean, in reality, of course not. It's, you know, it's this marriage. And I've asked Paul about it and he got uncomfortable with me when I said you two were lovers. And I didn't mean literal lovers. They're heterosexual men. But they were like in a marriage. You know, Paul and and um, and John were in a marriage, and they also had Ringo and George to consider, and sometimes they considered them, and sometimes they couldn't. Sometimes Paul had to be the leader. Sometimes John had to be the leader. When you're in a group of people doing something together, someone's got to take on a leadership role. And uh, it caused rifts. But you're watching a relationship. But to me, what was so valuable about this film, and it inspired me, we, when we see the finished product and we hear Abbey Road or, or the uh, Let It Be album or Sgt. Pepper's, we think, oh, God, these guys are so brilliant that they have these songs in their head and they just kind of write them in 20 minutes or an hour, maybe three days. You never get to see the boring, hard work struggle that people who are creative have to put in. They make it look easy. You know, when I'm painting and I, I've, I've looked at this, there are there, the, one of the greatest painters that ever lived was a guy named Vermeer. His paintings were amazing. You never knew the struggle he had to paint. You never knew how long it took him to come up with the subject matter to to literally sit there and try over and over again to get the right swatch of color. You don't get to see all of that with the Beatles documentary. The reason I thought it was so amazing is that I'm I'm sitting there watching it and watching Paul struggle to come up with the words or to come up with the bridge for a particular song or or um um you know I found myself at times wanting to fill I go Paul here's how it goes I wanted to to, right. to tell right you you're watching <laughs> yes, this because you and know the right words eventually came you want to help him <laughs> yeah I I stuck up no Jojo was a man who thought he was a you know I I want to yeah, tell him it was what who's Arizona, not Arizona. <laughs> right. But to watch him come up with this thing and to come up with the tune and then Billy Preston sitting down and doing those little piano fills, which got the whole thing electrified and got it exciting to watch the, the creative process is so important that anybody who's thinking of becoming a musician, this is mandatory that you watch this. And it's mandatory that anyone who struggles with a creative endeavor, I have been working on a painting for months now of Central Park. And I'm struggling and struggling. And I was ready to throw in the towel with this painting. And then I started watching the Beatles documentary, and I'm watching Paul and John struggling. And George even trying to figure out uh, the words to um, Octopus's Garden with, with Ringo. He's trying oh, to help oh. him out in one scene. Or there's a, a point in the movie where he's playing for the other Beatles, all things must pass. And you can tell they're not interested in this song. Yeah. And, of course, George put it out on his own album and had a massive success with it. But I'm sitting there going, how dare I think that I'm going to be able to just paint something? I'm not an experienced painter. I've only been doing this a short time. Of course okay. it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a huge struggle. And to watch the Beatles, who were so accomplished, struggle through these songs... Yeah, and by to that try time, to, they had written masterpieces. Right. And, and yet it didn't matter. struggled. Yeah, it's like when Jerry Seinfeld explains, after I do a special, I have to come up with all new material, and I go out and I bomb. I go to these small clubs. 
He tried to, Jerry did this, and this is an excellent documentary for you to watch. Jerry actually documented, much in the same way that these Beatles uh, documented their own uh, creative process, Jerry documented how hard it is to write new stand-up comedy. But this thing could not have been a minute shorter. Now, I was sitting there going, I could do without all the discussion about where to have the live show and all of that. I just want to watch them write songs. But the repetitiveness, you're showing the boredom. I mean, some of it is downright boring. But if you don't look at that boring stuff, you'll never know how tedious and boring it is to write Get Back. You know, if you were to show my own career, the hours of sitting there, listening to my own radio show over and over again and critiquing myself and then sitting there and going into a production studio for hours and writing some dumb bit and then editing it. And, you know, you'd say, Jesus, this is such tedium, but this is exactly what we're afraid to look at. And uh, this guy, Peter Jackson, who put these eight hours together of the Beatles, really said, fuck it. I don't care if I'm criticized for creating a boring documentary. This is what it was. This is fascinating even in its tedium and boredom. Well, he's a and creator, so he that probably was fascinating it. to him, too. There's a point, there's a couple of highlights in this thing. First of all, I'll point them out for me. Um, yeah, George Harrison was working on um, the, the song Something in the Way She Moves. And he's like, attracts me like, and he says to Paul at one point, attracts me like, um, attracts me like what? Help me out here. And Paul does, he goes, I don't know. You know, I don't know the answer. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the greatest songs ever written. Something in the way she moves attracts me like no other lover or other or whatever the hell it is. No but, other lover, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and you just want to yell at him. No, no, no. Here, here's how it goes, guys. <laughs> but I got so inspired by this thing because I, I, you know, you forget how hard and difficult it is, even for the Beatles. It's all hard work. Uh, I was fascinated by a couple of things. Paul is left-handed, so he plays the guitar upside down. The 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 uh, pick guard is upside down, and it, it, what was driving me crazy is the guy's so fluid on the bass and on the guitar and on the piano, and with guitar he's playing it backwards, and he's still fluid. And it, it said to me, "There's a guy who was determined to be a great artist on the guitar. He didn't care that he was handicapped." Most of us would have said, shit, I'm a left-handed guy. I'm not playing guitar. But there he is, you know, plunking away on that bass like a maestro. And uh, it's it's unbelievable. In the beginning, when he is strumming on his guitar, it's a bass, and he's strumming out the chords to, like, like sort of playing the get-back thing. I'm blown out by it. And I'm I'm blown out by the songs they write that they don't pick, like the song Teddy Boy. Paul yeah. is playing it. They they didn't put it in the album. Paul put it on his first solo album. There were so many songs these guys come up with. Jealous guy. John had it. He called it something else. I forget what he called it. But they, they turned up their nose at All Things Must Pass, George's song. They they passed, obviously, on Jealous Guy for the album. Mm -hmm. John put that out on his solo album. And now I find myself wishing that other artists had done something like this, like I was listening to David Bowie's um, the song Starman he wrote. He did a version of it at the BBC Radio Theatre in London 
I wrote down uh, June 27th, 2000. I would love to see a documentary just on how David Bowie came up with this song, Starman. If I could see something like this. So the fact that this this film exists, a 16-millimeter film, that Peter Jackson went back and enhanced. I mean, thank God Not this guy did, did it. he enhance it, Howard. He took out all the noise. There yes. was room noise. There was people talking and clanging with instruments and equipment. And he erased all the noise so you could yeah. hear what they were saying. And if he hadn't done that, this stuff probably would have deteriorated and you would never, it would never would have been digitized. You know, film, film degrades. So we probably wouldn't have it. I think this is the most important document of our time because if we had uh, a video of uh, Da Vinci, you know, painting uh, his masterpiece or something like that, it would be cherished. You know, I watch a lot of painting videos. You would go insane watching them. It's literally a guy painting for hours upon hours upon hours and i love it because i love to paint and i want to see how other people do it if i was a musician the first thing i would do is sit and watch this beatles documentary because it will it'll it's a it's an excellent lesson in how to how to create how to create music it's just remarkable so is it a horrible movie in terms of movie making yes it's horrible it's uh, it's insufferable. Most people will not want to sit through it. I had to take the first part in two different sessions. That's right. And that's how like, I'm I doing. Got to stop. I'm tired from you know this, and I had to take you know go away for a while, do other things, and right. then come back to it. But you get to watch the Beatles create, so you do it in segments. Now Yoko, you, like you say, you give her a medal. She sat through <laughs> the whole thing, <laughs> you oh. know, but. But that's love. Like, you know, and Paul, by the way, is vindicated in the whole Yoko thing. He says to the other two band members, he goes, you know, John, that's new love and he doesn't want her out of his sight. And so I think we have to just recognize that. I mean, he was very tolerant. I have to compromise. You know, if I expect them to compromise, I have to compromise for them. Yeah, because Linda shows up with her daughter, and let me tell you, she's every bit as annoying as Yoko, that kid. <laughs> oh, when she starts with that camera. <laughs> oh, my God. Yoko, Yoko screams into the microphone, and John, this is why love is blind. Yoko, one point, is doing that. I can't even do it. I mean, it's crazy. And the other Beatles sit there patiently, and she's screaming and yelling, and John goes, I want that on the album. When he hears that screeching of Yoko's, he thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And you know what? In marriage, don't we all have to do that? As great as anybody's, re or friendship even. You should see what I have to put up with, uh, Fred. And uh, <laughs> I I just do. I do. <laughs> when she is doing this, the other Beatles, you know, they sit there and they take it in their stride. Why? Because you have to compromise. You want John Lennon in your life? You got to listen to Yoko yelling. And they and they let her go on for a long time. And they show it in the video, in the film. Oh, yeah, a couple of times, you know, where she got hold of that mic and wouldn't let it go. <laughs> Look, Yoko did not break up the Beatles. But she didn't help them either. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. But um, it shows you in your own life, in your own friendships, you got to be willing to overlook certain things. If Yoko wants to yell, listen, Linda shows up, she's very appropriate, but she does one day bring her daughter. And the daughter 
is grabbing microphones, interrupting the sessions. And at one point, the daughter who is being sort of restrained sees Yoko screaming into the microphone. And then the kid gets the green light to act like an asshole. <laughs> and she starts screaming, too, into the microphone. She out-assholes Yoko. You know, but, you know, in my own little world, imagine if Fred brought his girlfriend to the writing meetings. Actually, I'd be proud. Actually, I'd be happy. I mean, you, you'd have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy just chews on his pen and stares. But uh, no, but seriously, in my own relationship with Robin or or with Baba Fuhai, Fla Fla Flohai, maybe, maybe you, Delabuki, Gary Delabuki. Maybe you know him as. <laughs> maybe you know him as Gary one of his De other Labicio. names. <laughs> Gary Delabicio, maybe you say. Gary Delabicio. But everything, work, marriage, <clears throat> friendships, it's all in negotiation and you get to see the Beatles, you know. The most annoying guy in the Beatles documentary is the director. This fucking guy. You know, it's an amazing dynamic you see, too. I could have done with a lot, done without a lot of this, but who am I to judge? Everybody has their own moments they would edit out. But the director of this Beatles documentary that they're making, each one of these people who are satelliting around the Fab Four, they all have their own agenda. And they all come bursting in with their own agenda. Every In the first part of the movie, the director walks in and he goes, I think you guys should do the live show. We're going to fly to Athens, Greece, and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And we're gonna, or Athens, wherever the fuck they're going. Athens. Somewhere and, where there was a ruin. <laughs> yeah, a ruin. <laughs> and George looks at him and goes, well, I'm not going anywhere like that. I'm not flying. Now, that's it. They're not looking to go... This guy, for the first couple of hours, he, every minute, he comes popping in. I think you ought to do this. I think you ought to do that. And it's just like, dude, read the room. These guys are writing some of the greatest songs ever. I think it was Libya he wanted them to go to. And they're like, we're yeah, not going I to Libya. I remember where it was. I knew it was a big open amphitheater and it was falling apart. <laughs> oh, my God. And the amount of cigarettes that these guys smoke. Oh. I wanted to yell at the screen. I wanted to go, Paul. What do you Every do, George? One of I them smoked. Oh my God! The amount of the Kent cigarettes. I used to smoke Kent cigarettes when I smoked, and I thought I smoked a lot. My own. If I had a voice like John Lennon or George Harrison or Paul McCartney or Ringo, for that matter, I would not. I mean, it is just crazy how many cigarettes so, they they would smoke so much. That in the middle of the session, they go, could somebody go and get us some more ciggies? You know, more cigarettes. <laughs> they get more cigarettes, and they, they were more concerned about cigarettes and the food they eat, <laughs> the toast and marmalade. Oh. Is the and, and I mean and and oh my god, oh my god. I mean, it's uh, it's just a great lesson too. It looks like people didn't give a fuck back then. But there's a whole bunch of people who congregate around the Beatles, who make their living off the Beatles. And I blew my stack at one point. I think it's in the part two of the Beatles documentary. They're the greatest band that ever was. And they're sitting there and the they show up for a session. They finally get them all in the room. John, Paul, George, Ringo. John is late a lot of times. Ringo walks out. I mean, not Ringo. George walks George. out. Yeah. And it's crazy. And then they're finally all together, 
And the fucking guy, the, the recording engineer, whatever he is, they don't have the equipment set up. I'm sitting there going, you got to be fucking kidding me. The Beatles. And they don't have the equipment. I don't know why they didn't go to a recording studio where it would have been a lot easier. They didn't even have the right equipment. You know, they could all wrong the right equipment. Sound. Oh my God! It was chaos. Oh, it was, it was driving me crazy. Yeah. I didn't even trust that they were getting all of this on tape. I mean, it was just a nightmare. But uh, I got so pissed off. But man, it makes you wonder. I hope some bands like like I was thinking about Green Day. I'd love to see how uh, Billy Joe Armstrong writes music and uses the band and how he does. I, I, I hope some other bands start to do some of this. Yeah, even Metallica. You know, I'd like to see anybody's writing process. Yeah. The Foo Fighters, anybody. It's got to be a band that you really care about because it's a lot to sit through. But it is amazing. It is really amazing. So, I, you know, my my review is it's the most important bad film ever made. It is poor. It is horrible. (laughs) It is just it is just horrible to sit through and yet the most important thing to sit through. I I, my kudos to this uh, guy, Peter Jackson. You know what I thought was the most egregious? Paul and John want to go and have a private conversation after George walks out. And they yes. hid microphones in the flower pot that was sitting on it the was, table. I know, but it, thank God they did. It was great. I know, but it was just like, boy, you know, these people were, they were just in there making a mess of everything. <laughs> you know, On our phone is the director of Get Back, this Beatles film that just came out. Peter Jackson, he claims he found an extra 12 hours of Ringo shopping <laughs> that is going to be released. Let's find out. Mr. Jackson, first of all, congratulations. I found it to be fascinating. Well, thank you. I mean, um, several people have reached out to me saying it would be fascinating, and it would be very fascinating to add um, some of the new 12 hours of footage we found. Where Ringo yeah, you is say, actually at a, a Tesco. Oh, dear. But Ringo is where? Where is he shopping exactly? Well, Tesco is a very famous um, supermarket in the U.K. And when go walks in, we have 12 hours of footage and audio. And, um, you know, it was, it was fascinating to watch because, well, what was fascinating is, you know, Ringo wanted ham and cheese for a sandwich. But he spoke to the deli man. The deli man said, well, we're out of ham. We have turkey. So right. when he looked at the turkey, he said, maybe I just won't have meat. Maybe I just won't have meat. <laughs> so wow. he went. He bought some <laughs> eggs and right. some biscuits. And when he had you get to see that. Said, well, you get to see it, you get to hear it. And we actually, we remastered. We spent 17 years remastering the, um, the footage. <laughs> that way you could see the cereal he buys. And he, he spent says, 17 years, you, you spent 17 years remastering just Ringo shopping. Wow. Just Ringo shopping. When he goes to the checkout, I mean, that's the big finale is the checkout. And it, it's interesting to see a man go, he says, Maybe I'll get a magazine. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll get a chocolate bar. Maybe I won't. Now, let me ask you something. But he goes back. Yes. Do, do fans mob Ringo while he's shopping, or is he able to be anonymous and shop during this footage? Well, in hour seven, some fans come up to him. You see the first several hours of it. He was wearing a hat. <laughs> he had a very silly hat on. You couldn't notice him. It was almost like a disguise. But when as he made his way over, to the cereal aisle, and he said, there are various cereals that I would like, but some of them are here, some of them are not here. And Yoko wanted eggs. She actually wanted him 
could get eggs so he could hard boil eggs and John could hard boil eggs. All right, all right. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. All right, we well, get the idea. All right, there you go. <laughs> 17 hours of Tesco. Yeah, well, about 17 hours to remaster. 17 hours. <laughs> 17 <laughs> years to remaster. Yeah, yes, yes. It, it was to remaster 12, 12 hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> get it right, Robin. Fans are going to want to know. I'm sorry, these numbers are very important. One of the things I found amazing, so the Beatles have a very strict timeline for getting this album done. They they put this artificial timeline together because they, they want to do a live show. And uh, the reason is Ringo needs to make a f- movie called The Magic Christian, which is a movie that eventually nobody cared about. But Ringo needed a set time. Can you imagine the reason the Beatles had a rush to make Let It Be? was because Ringo had to film The Magic Christian with Peter Sellers. <laughs> and Peter Sellers shows up and sits there oh. like a wooden puppet. But they were wooden puppets, too. It was like the most uncomfortable experience. They didn't know what to say to him, and he didn't know what to say to them. To me, the best part, too, is Yoko is sitting there through the whole movie next to John. But even more interesting, George Harrison brings these two Hare Krishna dudes for the first like hour of the movie and they're just sitting there staring and they look really scary like they do not look like happy dudes when i mean maybe they're in shock that they're sitting there with the beatles but george harrison's got two Hare krishna dudes sitting on the floor cross-legged looking you know almost like they just got out of jail i mean they, those two dudes i were didn't scary. know whether they were holding him captive or he was holding them captive yeah the other thing I noticed like, too, the other Beatles, they? and they said they, they were his friends. Not one word passed between them. Nothing no. was said ever. Looked like the Manson family, but I um, that <laughs> was so weird. And the other thing I noticed too is that the other Beatles are really happy when John Lennon is late. Like George and Paul and Ringo get a lot of work done. When John shows up, suddenly it just it becomes a circus. Like. Paul's wrote, Paul works really hard. hard. I mean, he's he, the hardest yeah. working guy in the Beatles. Yeah. It supports Paul's argument that he didn't break up the Beatles. It is clear he's trying desperately to hold on to them and keep them together. He's not bullshitting. Even when, you know, you could tell that George was really irritated. Yeah. And Paul was trying to explain to him, I'm not trying to make you angry. <laughs> Please I felt bad don't for Paul. think that. I felt bad for Paul. Like Paul saying, look, I got a song in my head. What am I supposed to do? Not tell you how to play the drums on this and not tell you how to play the guitar on this? Because Yeah, yeah. what I, I, I hear. Mean, yeah, I wrote this song, so I'm saying to you, you're my guitar player, but here's what I need you to do. I mean, it is crazy good. What a wonderful documentary. Anyway, I recommend it highly. John Hine has a few observations he wants to share with us about the Beatles documentary, Get Back. He's a very profound guy. John Hine is the only person I know who sat through the entire thing this weekend. I tried, John, but I'm I'm only up to episode three about, I'd say, a quarter to a halfway into the episode three. I mean, I couldn't make it. And I tried to get through the whole thing, but I, I will I finish it this week. Episode three. That was it. I, yeah. I had the two, and yesterday I was very busy. I couldn't get to the third one. I'll get to it maybe today. I don't know. So, John, what did you observe? 
I mean, I couldn't stop watching it. It was so right. incredible for all the reasons you said, Howard, in terms of seeing, like, the greatest songwriters ever put this together. And they come in and, oh, I, th I thought of this last night. And it's a song that's just legendary. It's not like they're bringing in garbage. But George Harrison, to me, was so fascinating because he was learning how to be an excellent songwriter. He was before, but he would bring in this stuff. And like when Ringo was doing Octopus's Garden, which I didn't know Ringo actually wrote on the piano. Me neither. Just like, here, try this chord. Here, use this word. And it was just amazing. And then when he's interacting with Paul and he's just, he seemed to be the one who would add a lot of different things to the songs that you've never knew before he contributed. And the other big thing was, I Well, by the way, know. let me stop you for a sec. I agree with you. It showed George, like when he's quietly working with Ringo, you could see he's Ringo just had the first couple of lines and the, the original melody. All of a sudden, George knows where to take the song, Octopus's Garden. And that's it's just such a great dynamic to see how much they worked on that song to get it to get it into shape. And yeah, I didn't know Ringo played uh, piano and I didn't know Ringo could write it. I didn't think he could do any of that stuff. The way they, they interchanged instruments and didn't really care, it seemed like, I don't know if John played bass on, um, you know, certain songs and, and they were just the way they just gelled so well. And in the second part where they're just, they're picking up steam and they're starting to get into the songs. Billy Preston just adds such energy so yeah, to yeah. that group and how gifted he was. And they're asking, wait, what's that chord? How oh, you add that fifth? And I know this sounds boring to a lot of people, but if you watch it, you really learn how it all comes together and pun not intended. And as Ringo is, you know, he's the one who had basically the wide eyed stare for most of it, but he also would he gets knocked quite a bit for not being the greatest drummer. But when he jumps in, you could tell he's kind of keeping everything together as the songs progress. And watching the two of them, John and Paul, just look at each other and harmonize. And they just fill in each other's blank, not even thinking twice about it. And they're also very funny, I think, all throughout the film. And you're not you're at the third part yet. But when the cops come in and you see they're trying to do their jobs, while we all know this is the last time these guys are ever going to play together in public, you're just looking in awe at all of this. I mean, you wish you were there. And last but not least, all these little tidbits of all these great songs that were to come. She came in through the bathroom window. Mean Mr. Mustard. Maxwell Silverhammer, you see the anvil in the studio and the roadie playing it. Like, it was just so, I, I, I really felt like, wow, I can't believe I'm getting to see this. He, Peter Jackson, I thought, did an incredible job. And I know he had to work with 60 hours of footage and 150 hours of audio. And his first cut was 18 hours long because he loved it so much. And it just showed you really how great the Beatles are and, and how it all uh, came together in this and in, in just it, it just making incredible incredible music and why i admire peter jackson is most guys would say oh shit i gotta edit this thing down to two hours you know because he doesn't want to be criticized as uh going on too long you know because you could criticize him for that you could say he left in this he left in that why did he leave it in i i admire him because he's going to get obvious knocks. People are going to say, you know, you left in too much, but no, it's a documentary on creativity and creativity in itself is boring 
There is nothing exciting about watching I a painter paint a, or a screenwriter. Document. This is yeah. history. That's right. And, and uh, there's nothing interesting about watching a screenwriter write a movie or a painter paint a painting or a, a musician writing a song. And Peter Jackson left it all in and, and took a stance. He said, this is what it is, the most important thing in the world. All of this stuff is important. This is how these guys functioned through it all. This is them at their most human. This is them at their most creative. But this is how much hard work it took. So, you know, again, kudos to this guy. He did a great job, and it took balls. I don't know that I'd have the balls to edit that stuff and then go, okay, I'm going to present this as a six-hour thing. You almost got to be insane. But uh, he did it. And, man, he worked four years on this, I believe it, to restore that shit, to make it look that good. It almost it had a quality of, like, of, of it didn't look old. It looked current this stuff and now we have I it read forever one review that said it looks like it's happening today yeah not i read i read robin the worst review of this movie really? and i was like wow this guy doesn't get it this is like a, a archaeological dig and we came up with something like i said i wish they did this with david bowie when he wrote starman I wish uh, they did. I wish Green Day or Foo Fighter, whenever they create a song, I wish somebody would follow the creative process. I wish I had a vi- a, a, a movie like this, a Vermeer painting, um, uh, any one of his paintings that he did, so I could see the process. I also love seeing them play the fifties and sixties, the earlier stuff, yeah, just when they're yeah, jamming, yeah. and then they start playing old Beatles songs, and you're like. Like, you know, John's doing help and they're doing, you know, like run for your life and all these great Beatles tunes just messing around, you know, to get loose and, and, and to make it all happen. And you reckon it's maybe you don't know some of the 50s and 60s standards, but every other song they're playing, you know, and, and you know, like how how great the, the songs are. And to watch, you know, Paul mess with his vocal range, John messing around all the time, that whole Rolling Stones bit, like all the little things, you really felt like a fly on the wall in that studio. I mean, and yeah, them making decisions from leaving Twickenham and going into the Apple studios and those not being ready and how they dealt with that. Meanwhile, they had three weeks and these are like brand new songs that they're learning and they're playing in public for the first time in three years. I mean, they, you saw them being a little bit nervous about it. They yeah. were excited, but they were a little fearful to do it. And then when how they many times up on the roof, I how mean, many times it, it, it's the legendary performance. It's unbelievable by the time they get up on the roof, which I haven't gotten to yet, but we, I know about it. By the time he gets up to on the, they get up on the roof, they, they've created this stuff in a matter of weeks. It's insane. Yeah. What, who, how many times did John Lennon start uh, saying, ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones? They're very hung up on the Rolling Stones. Um, and uh, John in particular, right? He just, I, you could tell he's goofing on him. Well, that director, Michael Lindsay Hogg, he had directed the Rock, the Rolling Stones uh, circus, that whole event, and they needed an introduction for it. So he asked John to do that line, ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones. And John was just mocking the director every time he said it, the, you know, because right. you could tell, you could see that sort of wise ass fuck you coming out of John Lennon throughout the entire thing, even with Yoko there, even, you know, he was trying to. But I never got the sense that they were ready to all break up like they were tired of each other, but they also loved each other. And, and did you see the uh, enjoy- one of the did you see one of the engineers was Alan Parsons? Yeah, he was the tape is operator. It, is it the That's Alan the, Parsons? Yes. Yes. Boy, he got a 
No wonder he got a lesson. He probably said, hey, shit, maybe I won't yeah, be a tape operator. Yeah, this going to graduate school. Yeah, maybe I'll go be you, a musician. And I know you like to goof on George Martin, Howard, but you could tell the respect they had for him. Whenever he yeah. chimed in on something, he was almost a grown-up in the room. They were like, okay, we'll do that. Like, we'll do that. But George Martin playing the piano during some stuff, adding to it. And they also never rejected any idea, at least to their face. Like, yeah, they ignored All Things Must Pass and a couple of George tunes, but they wouldn't say, no, that's not working. And Paul would be very like, yeah, but I want to do it this way. And you play it again. You'd be like, no, I really think we should do it this way. Like they would never come out bluntly and say, no, we're not doing that. We're going to do this because Paul wanted was the leader. But as you said earlier, he was like reluctantly became the leader because John was doing God knows what. And George and Ringo were kind of messing around. And there was yeah, but when John when John walks on. in the room, they all snap too. like they all fall yeah. into his well, rhythm. Now they're they, four of them together. They can get some work actually done. What how about, about when George, George? How about when George Harrison is working on something on the something in the way she moves, and he's trying to find the words for it? He's like something <laughs> in the way. Goes, oh, come on, help me out. Something in the way she moves attracts me like uh, like what Paul and Paul goes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what attracts you. And then John what even I, at one point says, me? "If you can't find what, what John what? says, if I can't find if you can't find lyrics, just say anything like cauliflower or just throw a word in that rhymes." Uh, amazing. Yeah. But there was also, you know, he'd go home and he was supposed to write lyrics and he'd come back and he hadn't written the lyrics. He was doing right. that a lot, too. But it was so obvious to me that they all were on different paths. They just didn't know it yet. You know, right. because good. Paul actually wanted his music to sound like this. And John yeah. didn't even want to contribute because he wanted it for himself. And George is blossoming and he wants to contribute to the Beatles. But there's really no John and Paul no aren't even writing together anymore. And so it was really like a, a last hurrah. What about when George... how about when John how about when John Lennon says, uh, well, if George quits the band, we'll get Eric Clapton. Yeah, I mean, just say that. We'll yeah. just get Eric. George, that was called. George is, yeah, George is like, I'm going to hit the clubs. And the next day, Paul, uh, John's like, oh, let's get Eric. It's like, okay. And they could. Yeah. They could just, that. everybody wanted to be, who would turn down an invitation to be part of the Beatles? And how about when George, George blow, how about when George, George blow off the steam and then he came back from, and then they moved on. Sorry. How about when George is sitting there talking about how good Eric Clapton and Ray Charles are and Paul clearly doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, who cares? You know, like, like he just <laughs> wants to play the songs and get them worked right. out and get 